I was wondering if somebody said no, that's not a standing at the door of uh, the congregation uh, service. And these two men walked out and he pulled one of the guys already in the army funny because I only see that that's please stand with me as the word of God is read I guess we having a little bit of problem with the wireless mic so I'm gonna have to make adjustments bear with me church take this off Thank you. All right. I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35, and the text reads as follows. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And they follow Jesus. And some of you all are here for the first time hearing me speak. I read that particular scripture all the time because it helps to set me in the right direction and understand that it's not about me and that it's all about Jesus. You see, John's whole life was was involved in terms of preparing the way for the Savior. And John's disciple followed Jesus as a result of John's direction. So that's my prayer this morning as a result of hearing the word of God, that you will follow Jesus that much closely. Amen. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for um, your grace, your mercy. Look, God, there's some heavy lifting to be done this morning. So I pray what you do, uh, that you do what I cannot do, that you would increase and I would decrease, that I wouldn't get in the way of your word coming forth with great power and conviction, that lives will be impacted and changed as a result of what's heard today. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I was chopping it up with some of the church members several weeks ago, and I like to throw out these, these questions, these hypothetical situations, and just kind of see where they are spiritually and, and, and how they're thinking and processing certain things. And on this particular day, I decided, I said, the Powerball lottery was at $400 million. And I said, if I won the Powerball, now I'm not encouraging you all to go out and play the Powerball, but if I won the Powerball and I decided to give each Chicagoland Bible Fellowship church member $1 million, the question on the table is, would you take it? One individual said, yeah, I'd take it. The next individual said, make sure you tie 10% of that 400 million. The other individual was kind of wrestling with this and was like, I don't, uh, I don't know. Isn't that gambling? Is that gambling? I said, yeah, it is. He said, well, I don't, uh, would you have to tell me where the money was from? I said, yeah, I'll tell you where the money was from. The question on the table is, would you take it? And before that person could respond, the other person said, you could give me their, their million and I'll take two million, right? You could give me the two million dollars. And if, 
you had all of that money, that $400 million. And I'm asking you this morning if I gave you the $400 million, gave it to you, no strings attached, and somebody comes along and says, hey, Give me that $400 million. Come and follow me. Go give it to all though. Give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. The question is, what would you do if you were faced with that? The young man that we want to talk about this morning was faced with that very situation. I don't know in terms of how much money he possessed, but the scriptures tell us that he was well off, that the dude was rich. Some might say, the young people might say he was a baller. Dude was paid. Not only was he was a baller, he was a boss. He had people that reported to him. He had major resources and property, and he came to a crossroad, even with all of those possessions that he had, the riches, the respect, the businesses, in terms of how he acquired all of this money, he still was longing for something. He was longing for something, and he came to a crossroad in the most important decision of his life. He chose not to give it up. His story unfolds in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And as we look at Mark chapter 10 to kind of set the table a little bit, you know, to set the table, Jesus was traveling around the region. He was kind of like, um, for lack of a better word, kind of like a rock star. There were crowds and crowds of people following Jesus all over the place. Everywhere he went, there was crowds of people. And there were individuals that were following him for various reasons. If you look at the first portion of chapter 10, verse 1, there were individuals that were following him that were what I would classify as haters. They were the Pharisees and Sadducees that were following him, and they were always trying to trip Jesus up, ask him various questions, trying to trip him up. And Jesus was confounding them at every turn. They couldn't get him. And then there were, if the chapter moves on, there were individuals that were following Jesus because they had a legitimate need. Some were bringing to him babies for him to, be, to bless them. If you go back over to chapter 8 and 9, he had fed the 5,000, and there were crowds of people. And you know when you're giving away free food, folk will come out, won't they? This place would be filled up if we had chicken dinners for free, right? Folk will come out. So they were following Jesus because they were hungry. There were some that were demon-possessed. There were some that were blind and had some kind of physical ailment that they needed Jesus to take care of. So there were some that were following him that were haters, he had some that were following him because they had a legitimate need. And then there were some that were legitimately seeking truth. And this is where this young man's story begins to unfold in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. The text reads as follows. And as he was sitting on, setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him. And kneeled before him and began asking, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him. Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And looking at him, Jesus felt love for him. 
and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, his face fell and he went away greed for he was one who owned much property. Dude was paid. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard is it to be uh, uh, for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking upon them, Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. As we roll back to verse 1, we see this man, and there's a sense of urgency that he's approaching Jesus. He kneels before Jesus and he begins to proclaim, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This was a very profound question. This was one of the best questions I ever heard asked. You know, do you know that the old saying is there's no such thing as a dumb question? That's not true. I've asked some dumb questions before. Now, I say this, and the caveat to it is that I give kids grace. Now, kids, their kids will ask kind of crazy questions sometimes, but us as adults, we sometimes ask dumb questions. This wasn't one of those dumb questions. I went to visit uh, a family recently. They had lost a loved one, and it was an awkward situation. And I'm standing there, and I, I really don't know what to say, and I turned to one of the individuals, and I said, how you doing? And as I was saying that, my, I, I tried to grab the words back. And I, I was like, you big dummy. How you think I'm doing? My loved one just died. And you're asking me this silly question. Some of you all can relate to that. Yeah. Nobody's ever asked a dumb question before. Yeah. I felt it, but I couldn't get it back. This wasn't one of those questions. This is one of the, the greatest questions in my estimation that was ever asked. It's a question that each one of us will have to wrestle with on some level. And we have to answer that question on some level. It's a question that has eternal significance. The, but here's the thing. The first barrier that this young man had is that he really didn't know who God was. He really didn't know who Jesus was, even though he knelt down to him. Uh, and the text, it says, he began asking, good teacher. You see that word good in the Greek translation uh, uh, translate agathos. And it means intrinsically good, good in nature. He wasn't saying that Jesus was good at communication and communicating biblical principles. He's was, he wasn't talking about that. So he was kind of in the ballpark, but he really didn't understand who he had an audience with. This was a once-in-a-lifetime experience that you have an opportunity to come face-to-face -face with the living God. And you're referring to him as good teacher? I remember I was working uh, a paper route back in um, sixth grade, and I stationed on Michigan Avenue, right? in front of this fancy shoe store. 
And I wasn't like the sometimes sales guys on the corner. My, kid, my, my wife hear me talk about this all the time because it drives me crazy. I see them just standing there holding their little sometimes paper, and they're not saying a word. They're not moving around. I had panache. I had passion. I would bellow at the top of my lungs. Tribune, get your latest market. And I would be gesturing. And they drove the people in the shoe store crazy. And the manager would come out every day. We had this dialogue. Excuse me, young man. You're going to need to move down the street. We don't want you here. And I would yell out to him, Tribune, get your latest market. This is city property. And he didn't really want to engage and get into this tussle with this little kid. And so he would go back into the store. And on this particular day, there was a tall light-skinned gentleman standing in line, ready to pay for his stuff, curly hair, and he's staring at me, smiling at me, and I'm like, what's up with dude? And I know that what was happening, they were complaining about me in the store, and so he's just smiling at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm going, this dude, why is he smiling at me? He looked like some kind of prevert or something. You know, I, I know, I know, y'all know the real word, but I don't want to say it in church. But he was kind of looking at me. So he exited the store, and so I'm kind of suspicious. So I put my hand in my back pocket to reach for my thing. And if y'all ain't from the hood, ask somebody what a thing is. And so he walking towards me. So I'm like, okay, what he on? What he on? And so I hand him, he hands me a bill. And I hand him the paper. I don't even look at the bill. So I'm like, Tribune. Get your latest market. So he walks back to the cab. And so I look at the bill. It's a $20 bill. And so I go, hey, 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 wait, sir. You forgot your change. And I look at him. I go, wait a minute. You're L. DeBarge. And he was like, no, we're the Jackson 5. And so they drove off in the cab. So that was my claim to fame. I met the DeBarge. And I know some of the young people, you might have to Google who that is, because y'all have no clue. I see my daughter's face like, who is Elder Barge? Kayla? <laughs> Kayla, who? Who's dad talking about? It's one thing not to know who the Elder Barge was. It's a whole nother thing to come face to face with the living God and not know who he is. You talk about the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, our salvation, the Word, the way, the truth, the life. You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to come face. How many of us would kill to have a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus? It's like, you, you, I mean, you got to take advantage of this. And this brother did not know who Jesus was. I'm here to tell you this morning that there's a lot of folk here who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we forget who he is. We forget the God that we serve. Amen? You get so busy in life, and, and we, we buy into this brand of Christianity where we put our faith on cruise control, and we're just going like Groundhog Day, day in, day out. We come to church. We go to work. We do this. We might help the poor. I might go to a shelter. But we really, really are just on cruise control. And we forgot the God that we serve and how powerful. And the Lord is just standing there looking, going, I want to do some amazing things through your life. But you don't really know who I am anymore. 
Amen. So the first barrier that this young man had to overcome was that he didn't really know who Jesus was. The text goes on to read, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Murder. 